Welcome in to the number one preeminent AWA podcast, AWA Unleashed, where we talk about the memories, we relive the glory days, and maybe the not-so-glorious days of the American Wrestling Association. My name is Chris Tubbs. You see that on the screen, but let's go ahead and bring in uh, the two other fellas here that we do this, and uh, Mick Karch and Polish Joe Chupik. Guys, I, I know we're a day late, and I'd say a dollar short, but we're way more than a dollar short here. Uh, but thank you for sticking with us. We kind of threw one together on the fly because, as they say, card subject to change. We This is always one of the best ones to do, though, right? I mean, we got a no DQ&A, another one coming up this week. Well, you know, we've got so many questions all in the tank. I mean, yeah. all ready to go. Um you know, we do 15, 20 questions on a show, and that barely scratches the surface. So uh, when we do a Q&A, we always have enough material, and we got to thank everybody who participates. We really appreciate it. I would agree 100%. I love doing these. I love when uh, I get asked questions if I'm, uh, if I'm sitting in some saloon next to Dolly, and uh, I, I sit there for hours. Says, well, every once in a while, I get a beer comp to me or, or bought for me. So how can it be bad? You do? Well, yeah. You know, hey, sorry, Mick, you're doing it wrong. Man. See, you, you, you strike me more as a speakeasy sort of guy, not a saloon sort of guy. There are times where speaking is not easy for me, so I, I, I can't go along with that. Speaking of easy, that's going to be one of the questions coming up later on. Hey, in the, hey, in the show. hey. It's foreshadowing. Okay. Foreshadowing, guys. What? Okay. When Go we ahead. get there, was that not a good tease? That was, that was a great tease. It was excellent. That's why you get the six-figure salary. Let's just say it's a mouthful, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Let's uh, let's get down to some business, first of all. Uh, yeah. I want to thank Soda Stick. You see the... You see the, the logo up there. It's the one place to get your AWA Unleashed merchandise, sodastickco.com. We've still got the black and white T-shirts that are out there. It's got the Sodastick logo on the back. And if you're still looking for a hoodie, I know, you know it's, it's still cold outside. And if you're planning on, you know, maybe something that's a little bit lighter for the springtime, it's still, it's a nice hoodie. You can put your name your uh, encrypted name right there, your gimmick on the gimmick, as they would say. You can pretty much use the word gimmick all over. Did I use that right, Mick? You can put the gimmick in the gimmick? There's never a wrong way to use the word gimmick. It's Everything automatic. is a gimmick. Everything. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> a gimmick. The show's a gimmick. My hat's you a gimmick. You the biggest oh. gimmick of them all. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you want it, guys, support the podcast that way. And also want to thank 7th Avenue Pizza, if you haven't seen us eating the pizza, it doesn't mean that we're not eating the pizza. We're just not eating it on the show because I, I got to be honest, like sometimes we do this show so freaking early in the morning and I've eaten my pizza the night before. I don't have the control to keep the pizza for the next morning. So I still thank uh, everything from a seventh Avenue pizza as well. They've got a breakfast pizza, by the way, that is nuts. The cat's meow. It's awesome. Uh, 7thAvenuePizza.com. Check them out throughout the Twin Cities Metro. If you're not in the Metro, uh, they can get it shipped to you. And let us know where you find it, because I know some folks are having a hard time finding it. Just, uh, I mean, they've got meatball pepperoni pizza. They've got the uh, 
Seventh Heaven, it's just so many great things there. Uh, and by the way, before we get into the Q&A, um, do you want to say the best way to help us grow, guys, is YouTube. Like, I cannot say this enough. YouTube is probably subscribed to the YouTube channel. That is the best way to help us grow. I, we see people that are watching. We see people that download, but we really would enjoy you hitting the subscribe button. That is one of the best ways to help sustain the long-term, the longevity of this podcast. Absolutely. It, it's free. You're not obligated for anything. Just click the button. And uh, as Chris said, that will expand our horizons and we'll be able to do this for a long time. And speaking of doing it for a long time, is it showtime? Always. Yes. Yes. I want to jump right into that question, but I'm going to wait. Uh, the first one for you, Mick, from Dean Reynolds. Why wasn't Bobby Heenan in the original movie The Wrestler while Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens were? You know, I, I saw the question and I, I pondered it and I can only say I think it was a matter of timing. Because if I recall, The Wrestler was, was filmed in 1973, I believe, and uh, Bobby was actually not in the AWA at that point. He came back to the AWA uh, in uh, the fall of 1974 after an absence. He'd been here in 71, 72. So I think it was just a matter of timing, uh, you know, or certainly Bobby would have uh, <clears throat> definitely been part of the, uh, the original movie, The Wrestler, which incidentally, to me, it, it's such a classic. If you haven't seen it, it's so bad that it's terrific. And uh, Ed Asner, you know, one of the stars of the movie, said the movie was not released. It escaped. And I think that's, uh, that, that's all you need to. But it's great. Uh, old time vintage AWA footage. So that's why. I mean, that's the only explanation really I can think of is that Bobby was not in the territory. And I remember as a young child seeing that in the theater, um, being both disappointed and waiting in anticipation after the end of the movie, or shall we say the finish, because I had long wanted to see Billy Robinson versus Vern Gagne in a title match. And when that foot came right into the camera and that was the end of it, uh, disappointment and excitement, I have to admit, but I do agree with the assessment. Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, I don't think, would have been very favorable on that rating. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that there was a movie called The Wrestler before the one with Mickey Rourke that came out in the late 2000, maybe 2007, 2008. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of anticipation for that one, but I don't think a lot of people really know that there was the one that had a lot of the AWA talent and Ed Asner. So I'm, I'm glad that we're able to bring that more to light uh another one for you mick and this was uh one that was asked to me after last week's what can you tell us about nick bockwinkle on the monkeys tv show or hollywood squares ah yeah uh sir nicholas was quite the uh quite the hollywood celebrity back in the day uh he did appear on the hollywood squares as a contestant and if i remember correctly did quite well uh, he was on Hawaii Five O. I know he made an appearance there, and there he is. There's the Nixter 
along with uh, Peter Tork and Mickey Dolans on an episode of The Monkees. That may or may not be the episode where Nick got uh, sprayed in the face with shaving cream uh, at the end of the show and uh, uh, went into one of these uh, Keystone Cops chases. But uh, Nick was Nick was all over the place. He was, uh, you know, good looking guy. Uh, lived out there in Los Angeles, so he was readily accessible. And uh, yeah, jack of all trades, Sir Nicholas. I mean, when you're from Hollywood, you have to do Hollywood things. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. That's that's right. I no reason to doubt Beverly Hills. That's right. <laughs> Not the Beverly Hill Billies, Beverly Hills. You got it. Yeah, that, distinct difference, guys. Yes, yeah. very big difference. Uh, this one for you, Joe, from Sue Cole. We always hear about Shawn Michaels. What can you tell us about Marty Jannetty, and why don't you think he became the star that Shawn Michaels was? And and I do think that a lot of this goes back to something that happened in the WWF when the Midnight Rockers slash Rockers broke up, and it, it, it did seem like there was a lot of anticipation for both these guys being stars. One of them took off, and and yeah, one of them. It's it's almost like an insult now when people say, "Well, you were the Marty Jannetty of of the group," and I don't really think that's fair when people say that. Uh, the, the the short answer is, I think Sean could control his demons by that point, and Marty couldn't. Uh, they were both very young. You know, I, I mean, who hasn't done foolish things in their uh, early to mid-20s? I know I have. I'm not going to say everybody has. Uh, but Marty was just a bit of a, of a loose cannon, a tremendous talent, um, could wrestle, could work, great-looking guy, uh, had, had the charisma. But, you know, there's only so much a promoter is going to put up with. And when I saw the breakup, uh, I thought they're going to have a nice long run. And then it was there for a while, but then Marty disappeared. And I can't say that I'm surprised. Um, hmm. What I'm surprised about was that Sean also didn't. I mean, they left the AWA, went to the WWF, left the WWF, came back to the AWA, and then went back. Mm-hmm. And when I when I talked to them about it, they just said, you know, the, the basic answer is that boys will be boys. And they, they, they screwed up that first opportunity. And I think we're th- we're I mean, they, they were lucky that Vern took them back after their first disastrous, very many run in WWF. Right. Well, yeah, I, no doubt. But at the same time, I you have to admit that the AWA or, or Vern, I mean, they were desperate for talent. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true. Yeah, the, 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 the downslide had already happened. And so for them to come back was indeed a tremendous opportunity for the AWA to do something with them. And Sean and Marty made the most of it. And they were able to get back with the WWF. And you know, the rest is history. But even getting back the second time, um, despite the demons that were there the first time they got released, uh, I, I would have to assume that Sean learned from it, realized that, hey, I got to at least tone it down a little bit. And Marty said, fuck that. I'm going to go and do what I'm going to do. 
And speaking of releasing, was there a, a story that you could share about the studio and a birthday present from Marty Janetti to Shawn Michaels? Uh, so I know we're not PG-13, but I'm not going to go into the R or X-rated version of it. But I will, uh, I'll let the viewers fill in the blanks as I describe Filling in what? So uh, we're doing interview day as we did every week, and and it was Sean's birthday, and um, a, a special guest female came into the studio and uh, was starting to dance, and then I think I think the studio got a little bit warm, and so there seemed to be a necessity for Sean to lose an article of clothing. And, um, well, you got to cool off when it's hot. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you well, don't, you, you don't want to be hot. And, no. And, and, and I'll just have to say that, uh, Sean rose to the occasion and he got a birthday present from the gal. And, um, at the time, all of the uh, females that were a part of the production or part of the office were rightfully appalled. Um, I was told to remain on camera and record it, which we did. And uh, immediately after, wow. it was transferred to a VHS um, given to, I can't remember if it was Sean or Marty, but it was given to them and the master tape was erased and we went back on the interview day but i can't even begin to tell you how many laughs and and uh um it was yeah. an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh wow. yeah that's the sort of the kind of stuff that happened so well Happy birthday, Sean. And I, I'm guessing that the uh, the lady who appeared in the studio dancing was not from the Arthur Murray dance studio uh, down the street. <laughs> I, I would just guess she wasn't doing a waltz. No, but I will say this, that um, she knew how to blow out a candle. Bravo, Joe. Way to you go. Think about that one for a while. I'll, I'll get it after the show, and, and you know, then it'll hit me, and I'll laugh. Look, anyway. Right. Good All right, good let's say. That's not why Marty didn't make it. Uh, you know, uh, again, it was the, the underlying demons to get back to the question. Yeah. And thank you for that question, Sue. Yeah. Do we have any I, other I, I, Yeah, I, I had to ask that question just because it was. Like you know, speculation. Yeah. All right, for uh, for Mick from Ace Mulligan, Mick, uh, been told Ace you Mulligan, Ace Mulligan, yes. Mick okay. needs to tell the story about the first time you approached Wally Carbo about getting into the business, particularly the exact quote Wally told you about the alternative, and you have to do it in Wally's voice. Well, you, you know, play I two parts. You play Mick and you play Wally. Well. Yeah, it, what, what you know, we got a little caveat here. I mean, similar to the Joe Chupik story about uh, Marty Janetti, I don't want to necessarily quote Wally exactly. I'll let the people, you know, kind of formulate 
but uh, it, it was actually a phone conversation. And I had asked, so here's what you have. So Wally, what do you think my odds are of getting into the business, doing a little announcing, maybe helping around the office, doing doing something? I want to get involved. Listen, I got a better idea for you. Why don't you find yourself a rich and get married and forget all about the business? And um, it, it, let me put it to you this way. Uh, Wally knew his way around the the rich, and uh, I, I probably should have taken his advice in retrospect. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, un unfortunately, uh, you know, it is what it is, and I'm doing the podcast with you guys today. So, uh, <laughs> you know, things it's things been a life of bad decision. That one decision was the butterfly effect that led you to this point in time. Isn't that something, boy, I tell you, talk about going down a flight of stairs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this was a spiral staircase all the way down. And uh, and here we are talking about uh, Shawn Michaels getting serviced in a TV studio. <laughs> so that's that's where my career went, ladies and gentlemen. So thanks for the question. What was his name? Irv Shotgun? What was, what was the? Ace oh, Mulligan. Oh, Ace Mulligan. <laughs> Good deal. Next question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, God. What was that name? Uh, Keith? Keith? Oh, fuck. What was it? Keith? I can't remember. Because there was a, there was something that you sent me that you mistyped. I think it was a Keith Ape. Was that Keith oh. Ape? Remember Keith Ape? Keith Ape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keith Ape and uh, Ace Mulligan. Thank you, champions of the world. Is Keith Ape, K-Fape for K-Fape? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Oh, God. Yeah. Mick, he, right. he said something, and it was like Keith Ape, and I'm like, who the hell is Keith Ape? Keith uh, Ape. And it, Keith Ape. Yeah, keep, keep it Keith Ape. Uh, so if Keith Ape ever has a question, I, I, I will pop like crazy. Uh, this one's for me, from Mike Rosenberg. I agree with what you said about the Destruction Crew. Is there any chance of getting Wayne Bloom or Mike Enos on the podcast. I love their interaction. I would love to get them. Oh. I, I I would. Like, I feel like they, as the Destruction Crew, were a fabulous tag team. And their interaction, I felt, they, when I saw them go to WWF as the Beverly Brothers, my heart sank because I just knew that you were not going to get who I felt they really were. And I... I, I just love the the snarkiness, the and I believe they were legit tough guys. Like, I mean, and again, we keep talking about the sledgehammer thing, like that Mike Kinnis was doing, like that stuff's hard. I mean, yeah. you just I would love to get them on though. I had no kidding, Mick and Joe. I would love to get these guys on. Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, let I, me take care of this. There you go. Wow, Joe. Enos, uh, Enos lives in Florida uh, at last check, and Wayne Bloom I know is in the area here. So uh, you know I will I will start the uh, I will start the process. I'd love to get one or both on the show. There they are, the destruction group. And you know let's not forget that ridiculous stint in WCW when they put them under hoods, um, oh. brought them down there for a short time. So. Uh, you know, you had the Beverly Brothers, you had the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, and then you had the Destruction Crew, and yes. that's that was that was their niche. 
One little yeah. quick thing about the destruction crew. I remember being down in Rochester for a taping, and I can't remember the opponents, but um, their finishing move was they would put the wrestler on top of their shoulder, yeah. and then uh, Enos would do that, and Bloom would come off the top rope. The guy would flip back yeah. over and, you know. The, 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 the doomsday device. Doomsday device, yep. Yeah. Well, this particular clothesline, and I used this in uh, a couple of highlight videos that I had done for the AWA. The guy didn't go all the way over, and literally, so if this is his head, okay, okay here's, here's his head, he landed on his neck, and I remember being in the truck and thinking, my God, this man is paralyzed. He fortunately, fortunately was all right. But it is I, rem I remember hearing about that story too. Like I, I remember distinctly with those guys and, and yeah, and, and that happening. Like I, rem I remember very distinctly now that you're mentioning Joe, it, it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, I don't know that we can use the footage. I, I still have it. I, I maintained a personal copy of all of the pay-per-views that I did. Um, but maybe we can do a, a still frame um, um, of that, um, do it on a future podcast. But it mm -hmm. is one of the sickest bumps uh, mm -hmm. that, that I saw. I, I don't know that I ever feared for somebody's health and safety in a ring as much as uh, that bump. Well, that's one of those moves that is really dangerous. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's a handful. If you don't get it just right or tuck your chin yeah. or whatever, uh, you're in deep trouble. So, yeah. um, as far as you, you make great, you made a great comment, Joe. I'll get this out. Um, that you were at a TV taping in Rochester, so you're the one. That was uh, wow. I knew somebody was there. I was the one what? What did I do? At yeah. a team taping in Rochester. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't think anybody else was, but I, I know you were. Well, I was in the production crew, so uh, I was made to be there at that Oh, I, I got you. Okay. Yeah, just because we're talking about destruction crew, it's production crew. Oh, oh separate okay. things. Okay. Hey, I'll take care of this, Mick. Just, you know, don't worry. There we, there we go again. Boy, that was, that was two minutes of total bullshit. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, this one's from Keith Ape. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, from Steve Ersfeld. At the end of AWA's run, there was a fella, and by the way, kudos for the word fella, by the name of the Russian brute that came in for a short time. I think he was managed by Ox Baker, but never quite got over. What are your thoughts on the Russian brute? Who's that question? Oh, it's for me. Yeah, the, for, the, for the Polish brute, talking about the Russian brute. <laughs> So uh, the Russian brute was managed by one of the scariest men that uh, I think has ever been on camera uh, in professional wrestling, and that is Ox Baker. Um, the Russian brute, big guy, um, there's a reason that uh, he needed a manager. Uh, his, his interview skills were not uh optimal he just stood there in his russian garb similar to what you see there and ox did all of the talking um the brute just didn't have the wrestling skills to uh to to, to make it to the next level um 
And again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the AWA, uh, at the time that the brood came in, um, if you could put on a pair of trunks, get into the ring and do a, a lockup, chances are you're going to be on an AWA card, sadly. Um, is personally very nice kid, uh, was always pleasant and professional to, uh, to me, but I'll respectfully just say that he just didn't have what it took to, to make it in the business, quite honestly. A couple of anecdotes there. Uh, his name was George Petrasky, and uh, I believe he was from the Nebraska area. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he came in managed by Ox Baker and in his interview, he would come out with the tape fist because he was doing the hard punch a la Ox Baker. Uh, didn't get over at all, partially because of where the AWA was at the time. And also Just so, so desperate for talent that yeah, you had yeah. somewhat to look like you were instantly going to be pushed. Right. And, and by that point, you're, though, you're talking 1990, 1991. Yeah. Uh, the, the Russian heel was kind of becoming passe in the wrestling business. I mean, the lat, you know, Ivan Koloff was still around, but for the most part, you know, that was gone. And it, it just didn't, just didn't get over. And George was a very nice guy, unfortunately passed away not all that long ago, suddenly. And, uh, but very nice fella just didn't, didn't click. Yep. All right. Let's uh, get, let's get to the next one for you, Mick from Perry Carter. You mentioned other headaches that were in the business besides Larry, Joe and Kurt. Do you have any pictures of them? Well, I know you do, Chris. We got a couple of other, uh, other headaches that were in the wrestling business. And uh, unfortunately in both cases, it was not a very long time. Uh, there was, first of all, let's bring him up. That's Jesse Hennig. And uh, Jesse was uh, Kurt's brother. And uh, Jesse, for whatever reason, he just didn't quite connect either with the crowd. Uh, I don't know if his heart was not in the business, uh, but he was not in for very long. Great guy, very pleasant guy, but, you know, you, you, you just got to be motivated to stick with wrestling, kind of like an Evan Johnson or whatever. He just, he just I don't think it worked for him. Uh, the other Hennig that I wish would have been around for longer in the business that she was is uh, Kurt's daughter, uh, Amy, and what a sweetheart she is and what a tremendous talent she was in the business. And uh, for personal reasons, uh, you know, she opted to go in a different direction. I had heard that uh, the WWE actually said no to her, and I, I don't understand that because that would have been a natural thing as far as I'm concerned, natural progression of the legacy. But uh, you know, she had tremendous talent. Uh, she even did the, the, the superplex off the top rope uh, like her father did. And uh, so, yeah, Jesse and Amy both in and out of the business pretty quickly. Still got to hand it to the legacy. I mean, oh, three yeah. generations of the family, uh, even though they were short-lived on uh, Kurt's uh, kids. Um, I mean, Joe, Joe did all right for himself, you know, for a short while. I wish he would have gotten a bigger push. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, great family. Um, nothing but good things to say right on down to Kurt's wife and, and his kids. Had the pleasure of meeting 
uh, his, uh, Kurt's wife and, uh, and son Hank at the AWA reunion and yeah. was able to share some stories with, with both of them and thoroughly enjoyed meeting them and talking with them. Sat at the same table as well. For some reason, somebody thought I should sit at a table and <laughs> sign autographs. And, well, hey, I enjoyed my time. So thank you for the reunion, Mick. You got it. And I, I do have to say, like, meeting the, the Hattigs, they seem like some of the nicest, most genuine people you could possibly meet. I mean, so incredibly humble, too. Like, I, I was... I was blown away by just how thoughtful and friendly they were. I mean, because, I mean, some people you could figure, especially when, you know, uh, you're not comfortable in that realm, might be a little standoffish, not the case at all. Like, I was very, very impressed. And one of the, you know, one of the first families of wrestling in Minnesota, I think, without a doubt. No question. And great people, very humble. And just real quickly, the first time I met Amy, she was working at at a bank uh, where I banked as a teller. And I was wearing uh, an AWA hat. And I walked in, I'm making the transaction. And she says, yeah, do you follow wrestling? (laughs) I said, probably a little more closely than I should. And she said, my dad was a wrestler. And I looked at her and Boom, immediately you knew. because I had seen her wrestle in Waterloo, Iowa. And I said, oh, my God, you know, you're Kurt's daughter. And, uh, you know, from there we struck up a, re- a friendship. And it, she's just a wonderful, wonderful person. Lanise Hennig is as nice and down to earth yes. as anybody you are ever going to meet. So uh, Lanise was great. Kurt was great. And uh, the whole family, the kids were mm-hmm. raised well. You know, I'd love to get some of them or all of them onto this podcast. I think we I have an asked, episode on the Henning family. Joe, I have asked, and I, I think it's a matter of shyness. Honest to God, I mean, it, it sounds it sounds ridiculous, but they kind of shy away from the spotlight a little bit. I know Lanice does, and when she was at the AWA reunion, this was the first time. She had attended something like that. So I, I think it's a little bit of maybe camera shy, but, you know, we'll work on it. We'll uh, we'll get one or the other or both. Um, get it done, Mick. I'd love that. Episode. Yeah. You and I, I I figured that by looking at your bank account, she would know that you were in the wrestling business and worked for Vern. She did. Uh, she actually when did. There's a ne- when there's a minus and it's red. Yeah. When she came back to the uh, teller window and said, I'm sorry, sir, insufficient funds, uh, she had to know right away <laughs> that I was connected with the business. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. Moving on. Uh, this one for Joe from James Lee. Uh, I attended the AWA reunion. It was great to see Pat Tanaka and Derek Dukes in attendance. They were part of the last hurrah for the AWA. You worked with them. What were your impressions of both? Um, both very, very good talents. Um, Pat for being undersized and uh, teaming with Paul Diamond for Bad Company uh, with Diamond Dallas Page as their manager. Um, I, nothing but good things to say about him. Um, Pat does still owe me 20 bucks from Vegas. Um, I, I think it was... Uh, Sort of a long-running joke in the business about um, well, Pat pretty much owing everybody a few dollars here and there. 
but that's water under the bridge. I definitely spent $20 more foolishly in my day. Um, Derek Dukes, uh, just a nice, great guy. Um, nothing bad to say about Dukes. Um, uh, even back in, uh, um, in, in the 87-88 run, um, it, it was troubling to me when uh, he had the run with Colonel De Beers playing uh, the whole race thing. Um, if, if Dukes won, you would paint De Beers black. If De Beers won, then, I, you know, I, I didn't care for that angle too much. Um, I love the De Beers character, but the whole race thing um, I, I found troubling. But um, both very good workers, both very, very nice people, and it was great to see them at the reunion. Um, able to talk some old stories, have some good laughs, got some pictures with both of them, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and hope to see him again uh, very soon and, and not wait, uh, uh, gosh, 30-some years uh, in between. So I don't, I don't hope I've got 30-some years left in all right, let's go to the uh, the next one. This one's for you, Mick, uh, from Kelly Marie Johnson, kind of following up on what Joe was just talking about with Pat Tanaka. Uh, she's wondering, whatever happened to Paul Diamond, the one half of Bad Company, uh, she thought he was great, and you never hear about him. You know, that's really interesting. He was one of those guys that, uh, you know, very talented, uh, great guy uh, to hang around and uh, very soft-spoken, very talented guy, as I said. And Joe alluded to bad company. Uh, there's uh, early Paul Diamond. That's about the bad company era uh, back then when he was teaming with Pat Tanaka. Man, the guy looks like he's you know right out of junior high school there. Uh, then, unfortunately, he got saddled with a couple of other gimmicks uh, when he went to uh, out east, uh, Max Moon was one of them, and then uh, also he was Cato uh, in the uh, the Orient Express with Pat Tanaka. There's a, a recent picture of Paul. Man, talk about a guy who's aging well. Uh, you know, he looks to be in, in, in great shape. He's very happy. Uh, I believe he lives up in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, up in the Toronto area. I could be mistaken there, but a great guy, great talent, and uh, thank you for the question. And uh, speaking of that, I, I know that uh, we've been in contact with Pat Tanaka. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get him on uh, sooner rather than later because we've got we do have a lot of things that we're currently working on in the hopper. Uh, this one for you, Joe from Stuart Cooper. What was Jerry the King Lawler like? Uh, let me spit that out. What was Jerry the King Lawler like to work with, and why did he leave the AWA so abruptly? Ah, uh, thanks for the question, Stuart. Um, what was the King? like to work with i can sum it up by just saying he was a professional uh had the opportunity to uh, go down to memphis louisville and nashville leading into the ill-fated super clash three pay-per-view yeah. which to me was the um <laughs> that, that that was the that's when i knew the awa was in serious trouble but no jerry uh a professional. Uh, when when it was time for him to do a backstage promo, he was there. Uh, uh, never caused me any problems or any issues. 
uh, that extended into when uh, you know the, the few times I was able to work with him uh, for a couple of AWA events. He just a pro, just a pro. I, I had the opportunity to uh, to work or to see him again and work with him at uh, uh, at a, uh, an indie show, an MAW show uh, last year. Um, where, believe it or not, at 72 years old, or approximately thereabouts, he wrestled against the system. System. And, of course, mm -hmm. Jerry went over. Um, I mean, I, I, Jerry never was an acrobat in his day, but you know what? The guy still had it in the ring. He could still work the crowd. He could still deliver and I went back into the locker room afterwards, reintroduced myself, because let's face it, I was a production guy. A lot of these guys, I worked with them, but the reality is they've worked with 50 or 100 production guys. Yeah. And so he didn't remember me, but I you know, shared with them, hey, with the AWA, did Vern's TV, and uh, you know, did the Super Clash run, and uh, I, I just finished it off by just shaking his hand and just said, Thanks for the memories. And that was it. And, and as far as uh, him leaving the AWA, surprise, surprise, it was over money. And uh, he no-showed a lot of events uh, towards the end because he had contractual disputes with Vern. And uh, then, of course, the AWA stripped him of the of the championship. But uh, the consummate professional. I mean, Jerry Lawler is an all-time great, pure and simple. Exactly. And going on what you said, Mick, and uh, as we've alluded to several times on this podcast, uh, the end run of the AWA from, uh, I mean, I think it was still all right in 87. You had the Rockers, Rose and Summers uh, feud going and you had Kurt Henning, but um, it was a time period where it always boiled down to money. Um, the, the reason that a lot of the talent came to the AWA during that period was because it was on ESPN and it gave them the yeah. exposure. That's it. So whether it's Lawler, whether it's Stan Hansen, insert any other talent during that period as to why they left, it was all about money, um, plain, and, plain and simple. And, um, and the AWA just didn't have it at that time. And, and that's interesting that you bring up the TV part of that, Joe, because – the money is one thing, and for somebody like Jerry Lawler, who, for all intents and purposes, didn't need the money, but to have that national TV exposure, it's like you almost—it almost seemed like you guys were talking. It's—it's it's a trade that you're taking the risk on making less money, or maybe, you know, not getting paid, to having that national TV exposure. It seems like it was almost one of those situations that you're willing to take the risk as long as people are able to to see you on this national network. Well, if I could add one thing to that, and, and I don't mean this in a negative way whatsoever, but let's face it, I mean, there's a little bit of ego involved um, to still be able to be on a national platform rather than, uh, you know, regionally or on a, on a local. It, it meant something. Exactly, exactly. So there was a fine balance of, of getting paid um, what you think you deserve and still maintaining your national exposure so that hopefully, hopefully you get the call from Vince. That, that plain and simple, that's what it was all about uh, in the late 80s. 
All right, let's get to the uh, the next one for me from Masked Mark. Uh, rumor has it that I <laughs> from I the Masked Mark. So I love yeah. it. <laughs> rumor has it I couldn't get John Nord to come out of retirement and be my tag team partner. So I went with one of the toughest guys that ever worked with the AWA. Yes, that is absolutely true. I have been begging John Nord to be my mystery tag team partner. And unfortunately, I have not been able to uh, to get him. But I may have been able to uh, work it out with The Rock, Rock Riddle. So uh, there, wow. there we go. I can't see the difference between the two of them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, I, you know, I, 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 I met, a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, from a talent standpoint, uh, you know, I I think uh, you know, Nord may be just a notch above, uh, although it's close. Uh Rock Riddle, I believe Rock is still in Waterloo, Iowa from last <laughs> summer delivering a speech. Uh, <laughs> even though everybody has gone home. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it is looking for maybe he's you know booked himself for this year's uh, <laughs> reunion, and he just doesn't want to you know leave. He doesn't want to leave. What uh, happens but, in uh, what happens in what? It's like the Hotel California. You can check out anytime, but you can never leave. That's exactly right. And if there was a world championship for verbiage and uh, nonstop speaking, uh, Rock Riddle certainly would uh, be holding uh, that title. Uh, that's a great picture of you and Rock, by the way. What a character! That guy is. He was uh, he was hilarious when I. Oh, his AWA like, run, all kidding aside. Yeah, his really? AWA run was less than a year, and uh, you know, mid card guy, but man, what a talker and what a personality. You know, Chris, I think you did miss your calling. I think you would have been an absolutely phenomenal tag team wrestler. You would have been right up there with the likes of. George Scrap Iron Godaski and, and and Kenny J and mm -hmm. not Pereira. You would have been at the top of the enhancement talent list. Oh, I, I would have I would have been a great enhancement talent. Like <laughs> you know? You know, Joe, I, I think I'm gonna go so far as to say Tony Leone. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, you're, 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 you hey. might be crossing that line, though. Hey, but. By, by, by the way, by the way, Mick, this kind of piggybacks on something else. <clears throat> Remember it was a few months ago when somebody said that you could not name 100 enhancement talents from the <laughs> AWA? Remember All when right. somebody said you couldn't do that? I remember. And uh, I, I submitted you 200, did I not, Chris? I, I And I actually have the first 25. I shit I, you not, this is completely off the cuff. I have them actually, I have the first 25 queued up on the banner no kidding yes All I, right. have the, I have them queued up would you like me to well on that on that list i just got asked because i haven't seen it but were was rocky mountain thunder and silo sam considered to be on the enhancement list because i think they could technically qualify they didn't enhance jack shit <laughs> <laughs> don't oh that's don't... a good enhancement talent too somebody named jack shit Oh look, look at them! There they, there they go! There they go! This is one through this is one through twenty-five. Well, I love it. Our buddy Chris Curtis, Dennis Stamp. God, bless. oh my God! Look at that list. And there's Tony. Tony, Leone. Tony number at number 17. seventeen. Tony Leone, Rodeo Jones. Oh, good God! Yeah, that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first twenty-five <laughs> of two hundred. Hundred, yes. 
And uh, you know, we 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 will uh, we will have more in the coming weeks. You know, all fun aside, without them, we wouldn't have had the business that we had in the day. So give them credit; they were necessary. But yeah, they 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 were not going to put too many butts in the seats. Nor do we. Moving on. (laughs) Yes, for uh, for Joe from Roman Sanchez. Did you and Baron Von Roschke actually own your own wrestling promotion? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did. We did not. Together, we did not own our own wrestling organization. However, I gave it a run. Uh, Back is about 2003, Mick actually contacted me. Uh, to do some uh, production work for a, uh, a local indie league. And I did it for a little while, but um, surprise, surprise, you're not going to make money in an indie league. But I did it because I had a contract with uh, Channel 45, a local TV station. Mm-hmm. Um, after a while, I decided to go off on my own. The promoter decided that uh, he didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, so... I decided to create my own league. Um, The only reason I did it was because Channel 45 still wanted to have um, the the wrestling show. Uh, So I decided to do it. And my first call was to have Baron Von Roschke as my commissioner. Um, And he did a fabulous job. Uh, the, the, The league disbanded when Channel 45 decided they did not want to renew the contract. Uh, I think we did about, I want to say about a year's worth of programming. Uh, I still have some of the shows in the can. Um, I I will probably say that I think they were well produced, but because it wasn't making money, uh, I was not delivering a new weekly show. I uh, just couldn't justify it. And so I did, like, uh, unfortunately, I think like a lot of indie leagues, it just, it came and went. Uh, I enjoyed my time. Uh, uh, actually partnered with, uh, <laughs> partnered with Tony DiNucci on a handful of shows, uh, but only a handful of shows. That's another story for another time. And um, yeah, that was it. But yeah, um I had my own wrestling promotion for a while, and Baron was my commissioner. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and that is all you need to know. There we go. Got a, a couple more here, guys, before we go ahead and bring it home. Uh, this one for you, Mick, from David Irving. I've heard you say that Pompero Furpo wrestled under a different name at one time. Is this true? And was his crazy style? always the same good question it was and uh pompero before the awa was the awa it was still nwa territory he wrestled in minneapolis uh as ivan the terrible and i don't know if we got that photograph of him uh ready to go but uh he did always there it is that is from uh wrestling magazine wrestling life magazine uh back in the day and that is clearly pompero furpo uh, interesting story. I had him sign an old program from Minneapolis where he was listed as Ivan the Terrible. And he signed it. He just signed it Ivan. And then he said to me, please don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> well, 
you know, God bless him. Pampero's no longer with us, so I, I you know, I, I think I can safely tell it now. Uh, let's look at the later Pompero football. There he is. And my God, would you ever know? Uh, outside of El you know, Garfield, the claw, uh, that is, in fact, Pompero Furpo. Wow. What a tremendous guy. Uh, wound up working for the Postal Service uh, when he retired. And uh, can you imagine him bringing you your mail? Can you, or, and, you know, him asking you, you, you got two cents postage due on this? <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to say? Well, exactly. What are you going to say? A great guy, Pompero Furpo. AKA Ivan the Terrible. All right. And uh, one more. I know we've got a few more here, guys, uh, but we'll go and roll these over to another QA. Uh, the last one for you, Joe, from Gregory Truax. Uh, I know that the Crusher is your all time favorite with the Polish connection and all that. Did you know him well? And did he ever smile? <laughs> Crusher would only smile if he had uh, a keg of beer in one hand. Wanda in the other, and a Polish sausage or a kielbasa uh, in his mouth. Um, Crusher, sadly, was gone from the AWA by the time I had started my, uh, my production career. The only interaction that I ever had with him was uh, via a phone call. When uh, uh, Greg and Vern contacted me, it would have been late of 99 to revive the AWA library as I... I think the fans know we did 13 half-hour shows in a series of pay-per-views. Um, Vernon asked me to call Crusher. And I was, like, sh shocked and surprised. It's like, but I don't – I know who he is, but I've never had inter any interaction. Why do you want me to call him? You're – he knows you. He knows Greg. Why don't, you know, why don't they do it? Vern just said, you call him. So I called him and introduced myself and uh, told him that I was calling him to try to secure a merchandise deal so we could do some T-shirts and hats and whatever uh, with the revival of the AWA. Uh, and that I was working with Vernon Gregg on this. As soon as I brought up Vernon Gregg, um, the phone call went, went, went bad. Um, he wanted nothing to do with uh, the Ganyas, um, uh, a long-running feud um, with them. Uh, and I immediately uh, ha had just had to scramble. I was not expecting this, although I probably should have, uh, judging by Vern having me call him. So I changed gears, and I was not going to lose the opportunity to thank him and tell him of my Polish heritage, growing up watching him, him being a Pole from uh, South Milwaukee, how much I enjoyed him and uh, how there was one opportunity, my godmother's son at the St. Paul Civic Center, Crusher was, actually, no, I take that back. That was Ivan Putsky, so scratch that. That'll be another story for another time. But I went into the Crusher about being Polish and how he was my favorite because of all of that. Well, the conversation ended up lasting for about 45 minutes, just talking about old wrestling, talking about the AWA. And by the end of the conversation, he was at least open to signing a deal. 
I, I, I like to think I had something to do with that. Now, the deal never did get signed, but I cherish that just under one hour conversation with talking to my childhood wrestling hero and the favorite, the one, the only, the crusher. And I, I just want to add something. I visited Crusher's grave site in Mil, you know, in South Milwaukee, and it is surreal. I mean, you're you're right there. Um, you're paying tribute to a legend. Relatively small cemetery in South Milwaukee, and uh, it it was kind of overwhelming because I'm thinking, here lies the guy who entertained millions literally of wrestling fans over the years and uh at the end of the day we're all mortal um crusher was one hell of a guy last time i saw him was at cauliflower alley club probably 20 years ago 15 20 years and uh um awa legend no question about it i agree all right, let's uh, go ahead and wrap it up on that guys we still have a few more questions we'll roll those over to uh to the next q a um, we'll tell you about what we tentatively have coming up. I know this is Q and a, we, we have to shift things around because of people's schedules and everything. I mean, shit happens, life happens, cards subject to change. It's just, uh, what it is. Let's go ahead and give our shout outs, thank our sponsors, and then, uh, tell you what we've hopefully got coming up next. So, uh, who do I have here? Mick, I think I've actually got you first. So, uh, Mick, Joe, and then, uh, myself. A new acquaintance for me, uh, Gary Thomas, Jr., a uh, longtime AWA fan contacted me uh, via messenger and uh, was kind of reliving the memories. And he had not been privy to our podcast yet. And so I told him, I said, here's what you do, pal. You you go and, and uh, click and subscribe. He was very excited about it. Very knowledgeable in wrestling history. So Gary Thomas Jr., welcome aboard. All right, you next. Mike, shout out! You can see on the crawl down there. It's uh, it's to Mike Shields, but Mike sadly passed away last year, so I'm going to include his entire uh, family. Um, Mike hired me at the AWA. It was uh, uh, his initial decision. Obviously, Vern's later, but Mike uh, stuck with me. Um, he provided my in to the AWA. Uh, he was the director, came from Tennessee. Uh, the Jarrett's recommended uh, him to Vern when Vern started up his own studio. Uh, Mike taught me uh, a lot in the business. He taught me uh, how to cut for money, which you had to do when you're doing four hours of original programming every week for the AWA. You got to cut for money. Uh, Mike sadly passed away from a heart attack last year. Um, his wife, Kathy, died from cancer, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, Kathy worked in the office with us as well. Um, their, their kids were Patrick and Laura. Laura now maintains Mike's account, uh, friends with her on Facebook. And um, uh, when I found out about his passing, I reached out to Laura, or actually she reached out to me to tell me. And then I asked her if uh, she wanted me to post it on social media, uh, which I did. But it's a really tough day. But um, I, I, I've, I've given my shout outs to other production people in wrestling. I'd be remiss if I 
didn't do one of them for Mike Shields and his family. So Mike, thank you. You got me into this business. You helped get me into this business. You helped to teach me how to cut for money. Rest in peace, my friend. And I'm going to go with uh, Manny Montcalm. Um, awesome. Matty's, I had a chance to meet him at Waterloo. He is just a ball of energy and a ball of positivity. Like he, out of all of the people, thankful that I got to meet in Waterloo, he is at the top of the list. Like just a wrestling fan, uh, historian, loves, uh, especially the St. Louis territory. Uh, he, such a good dude, got a great family. And uh, Maddie, this is for you, dude. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Waterloo coming up uh, this summer. But Maddie, such a such a good dude, uh, loyal to the podcast. So uh, that being said, guys, uh, we'll go and wrap it up again. Thank you for uh, 7th Avenue Pizza. If you're looking for some great supper, 7thAvenuePizza.com. Uh, check it out. Check it out all over the metro as well. And they're now starting to get to Outstate uh, as well. Let us know where you're finding it. Um Soda Stick, you can see Soda Stick as well, sodastickco.com. We got the black and white t-shirts. We've got the the hoodies, the gimmick with the gimmick in it. Um, check it out there. See, Nick, uh, make you pop there. Love it. And we've got like two minutes here, guys. But I think we've got maybe one of the big, literally uh, one of the biggest guests we've ever had is going to be next week. I know we've been working on scheduling wise, but I think we've got it. Uh, I think we've got it locked down, Nick. I think you're about to go berserk, uh, from what I uh, from what I can tell. Uh, card is always subject to change. You never Husky. know. Husky. You know what, yep, yep. You never know when somebody's going to have that uh, Snowden situation in Denver. But we're <laughs> counting on the guy, and I'm going to let you. Take it from here, Chris, because you have worked really hard with Jeremy Chura and and Justin, everybody trying to get him on the show. Yeah, I hopefully. Um, well, I got I got no I got no puns on it, but uh, John Nord. Uh, I'm well, hoping that we have uh, John Nord coming up. We were supposed to get him on, uh, unfortunately, schedules again. Card subject to change. We got a lot of things. It's very fluid here, guys. I, I cannot stress enough to you. This stuff is fluid. So even though we promote and we've got the best case scenario, uh, best intentions, stuff goes sideways. We have to pivot. And uh, I mean, that's the wrestling business, right? Just remember, if you don't make your payment, then we care. Right through the windshield. No question.